Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit mbcocala.com stories to tell us your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Help me welcome our online audience. So good to have you. Thank you for joining us for Church Online. It's going to be a good one. Hey, find someone next to you, slap them five. Tell them you're glad to see them. Well, it is, it's good to be with y'all. You know, a few moments ago, we welcomed our first-time guests. And again, I just want to reiterate, if you are a first-time guest, we are so glad you'd spend part of your week with us. And um, we, we would love to connect with you before you leave. So as Pastor Haran said, head out to one of our VIP welcome areas or find any of our staff and Dream Team with the Lanyard. And we'd be happy to uh, d- just talk with you and, and make this experience enjoyable for you um, because this is a place that we strive to make it feel like home. And we, we want to do life with people as we're all on the quest to be who Jesus has called us to be. Amen. And if you are a first-time guest, my name is Lee Gilligan. I'm one of the assistant pastors here. And it's a, a great privilege to be with you tonight. Excited about what um, we're going to get into here in a moment. And, uh, you know, honestly, though, I was tempted to just, like, turn it over to Pastor Haran. Like, he came up fired up. <laughs> and he started, he started tiptoeing on, on kind of what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. So... But, but he'll, he'll, he'll be up here soon, but I'm glad to be here tonight. And uh, before I get going into what I want to talk about, I want to let you all know we just kicked off a brand new series on the weekends called Filter. Were any of you all here for part one last week? We are looking basically at what it means to have a biblical worldview, how important that is. Realizing that, you know, we live in crazy days. There's a lot of stuff going on in our lives. And so everything we see, everything we process whether we realize it or not, we are viewing that through some type of lens. And as believers, it's important that that lens for us is Scripture, that we have a biblical worldview, that we understand the Word of God, and we let that be the thing that helps shape and inform our decisions and, and the way we live the lives that we have been given. So this is going to be a seven-week series, uh, very crucial and foundational for all of us, wherever you're at in your walk with Christ. And um, if you miss week one, go back, catch up on that, and we hope to see you this Sunday for week two. But also this Sunday, we have, uh, we're going to be baptizing people throughout the morning at each service. And um, that's always exciting, right? That, that is a step, a public step of people saying that they are going public with their faith, saying, I have chosen to follow Jesus. And so that's worth celebrating. But the cool part about this weekend, there's going to be over 100 people at this point who are signed up to be baptized. And a lot of those just made first-time decisions for Jesus at Easter services. So just a lot to celebrate. So we got a good weekend in store. I encourage you to be here for that. Uh, bring someone with you. I also want to let you know, Pastor Tim, he sends his love. And uh, not a lot of you knew he was going to have to undergo one more hand surgery. And he still will, but that was going to be this next week. And he went for an appointment yesterday, and they were so pleased with the progress he's making that they kind of want to hold off. They said, we don't want to mess up what's going on. So they're going to revisit that in a few weeks. But that's it's a good praise report right there. But tonight, I want to I share a message with you called, What Are You Doing With What You Have? What are you doing with, with what you have? And, and uh, you know, I'm not talking about what, what's in your hands right now or, or what you were doing today. But really I'm talking about what we've been gifted to do. The fact that each one of you were created uniquely. And God, whether you realize it or, or, or not, whether you've discovered it or not, he has put unique gifts 
within you. And so not only are those gifts available to us, but God wants to see us discover and operate in those gifts to their full capacity. He wants to see us use our gifts for his glory and to impact other people. And so I I think if you uh, just just make yourself open tonight, there's something that he wants to say to you. But there is a form of communication uh, that, that you're probably familiar with that you might operate in at sometimes. It's called dropping hints. Have you ever dropped a hint to someone? If you're married, you, you probably drop hints a lot. You know, my wife's great at dropping hints when I need to take out the trash. Or, you know, maybe your wife has dropped a hint that your anniversary is coming up. Um, kids are great at dropping hints. You know, I'll come home from work and, and Gavin will, will tell me in a, in a sly way that he wants to go outside and play, ride his bike, or, or me go kick the soccer ball with him or whatever it is. And so I will, uh, I'll set my stuff down and say, okay, let me go talk to mom real quick. And next thing I know, I'm about to pass out on the couch or get caught up doing something else. And so he will come back in and drop another hint. A lot of times when we drop hints, there's repetition involved. And, and it's repetition as means to convince someone of something. You know, if you say it enough in, in, in a creative different ways, then maybe that person will finally be convinced of whatever it is you want them to do for you. Have any of you seen the movie uh, The Christmas Story with Ralphie? And he's convinced that, that the thing he needs most is that Red Ryder BB gun. And he's just obsessed with getting that. So he drops hints left and right to his family, to his parents, to his teacher, um, all these creative ways, repetition by means to convince. By, by saying it enough, hopefully they will buy into the fact that he's right and we're, we're going to get that for him. And so that, that's one of the main themes of, of that movie. But I kind of had a Ralphie uh, moment in, in, in my childhood. And I think it was my seventh or eighth grade year of school. And, and talking about gifts, you know, as kids, how many of y'all dreamed as kids? Things you wanted to be when you're going to grow up. An astronaut or professional wrestler or supermodel or whatever it is. You have, you have big dreams, and then as you get older, reality kind of sets in, and you realize maybe some of those were crazy dreams. But kids have hobbies. Kids get involved in activities. I played sports. I played music. I was always looking for something to do, something to be passionate about. And, and uh, my, when I was young, my mom uh, wanted me to play piano. And so I, I took a few years of piano lessons, but I was like, this is boring. I, wa- I want to play guitar. I want to do something fun. I want to make noise. And she always said, start with piano first and everything else will be easier. Every, a music will make more sense if you stick with piano. And I remember when I was going to drop out, she said, you're going to regret this one day. And I, I regret that I didn't stick with piano. But my eighth grade year, I was set on getting a bass guitar. I just became obsessed with the bass guitar. It was, that was my Red Rider BB gun. And, and I wouldn't even pay attention in church because I would just stare and watch the bass player. And it just, I was fascinated by it. And honestly, it has less strings than guitar. So I thought that might be a good place to start. And so I began to drop hints to my parents. And, and, and I, I told my mom, I said, you know, I want a bass for Christmas. And she said, okay, well, Christmas is coming. But I, I proceeded to every day remind them and, and tell them and repeat myself and drop creative hints. And finally, one day, my mom said, we know, we get it. You, you want a bass. Just stop asking. We'll tell Santa. Just, just, just stop. Let it rest. And so I was a little troubled by that because, you know, I still had a job to do. I, I still needed to drop those hints to do everything in my power to make sure I could get it. And so I had my moment of realization. You know when, when Ralphie thinks that the breakthrough is going to be when he writes that theme paper? If he writes his paper at school on, on the BB gun and, and gets an A+, plus, how can anyone argue with that? That then that, that they will, they'll have to buy it for him. Well, for me, I pulled the God card. I, I, I got up my nerve to tell my mom that God had called me to play bass. <laughs> Who's going to argue the God card, right? You, 
you've all had that, that time where someone tells you, you know, God told me this. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, God didn't say that. But, but who are you to tell them what God did or didn't say to them, right? No one argues the God card. And, and, and so I remember we were driving in the car and I got off the nerve to actually tell her, mom, bass is my calling. Like, you have to get me a bass. It's what God has called me to do. And looking back, it, it, it's so funny because, you know, if I had said I'm called to be a worship leader or a, a music director or something like, like that, that makes more sense. But just to say bass is my calling, well, I guess I thought she bought it. And then they ended up surprising me. They got me a bass and I, and I ended up going on to learn to play it. I, I still play a little today. I ended up playing guitar as well. And so those would be things that, you know, are, are gifts, I guess. You know, I, I learned how to do it. And my parents had confidence in me. One, one parents want to see their, their children's desires fulfilled, right? And then secondly, most parents have confidence in their children. You want to see your kids do great things. And so they, they believed in me enough to take a chance and get me the base in hopes that I might develop that gift. Well, more so than any confidence that your earthly parents could have in you, your heavenly father has great confidence in you because he has put gifts within you. Now, you may be here tonight and you, you don't know yet what those gifts are. You're wrestling to discover that. Or maybe you, you, you know what they are. But God has uniquely designed and created each and every one of us. And, and none of our gifts are alike. There, there's beauty in diversity. You know, we celebrate diversity, uh, not just at Meadowbrook, but looking at the church at large. It is a, it's a slice of the city. It's, it's, it's multicultural, multi-generational. It's, it's a picture of what we're going to see when we get to heaven. And, and, and in the same way, there's a diversity amongst the gifts that God has placed within us. But there are three groups of people, I think, here tonight when it comes to our gifts, okay? The first group would be those of you who um, you feel like you have no gifts, you, you are, you're struggling and wrestling to, to discover it, what those gifts are. There's many days that go by where you think, I, I don't think I'm necessarily gifted in any area. I don't know that there's anything God has put in me that is necessarily a talent. You know, I, I work this job Monday to Friday. This is what I do with my life. But there's a level of me that's still unfulfilled. And I, I don't feel that I've found my gifts if I even have any. That, that may be you tonight. And, you, and you're discouraged by that um, on a pretty regular basis. There may be others of you who you know what your gifts are. You know the things that God has put in you, but yet you are not operating in them because there's a level of fear involved. You, you are at times paralyzed by fear because you say, I know God put this passion in me. I know he put this gift in me, but I'm afraid that if I actually fully step in and embrace that, where that might take me. And then there's another group, and that would be those of you who you've discovered your gifts, and you would say that you are daily operating in them. And that's a, that's a great place to be. But even for you, I want to let you know that God wants to do even more. He wants to do even more. So whichever of those groups you fall in, just agree to open yourself up tonight and over these next few minutes, allow God to speak to you in regards to your gifts. Because guess what? They are in there. Amen? Now, all of us at times are, are hesitant to give God complete control. You know, we were just talking about surrender. We want to surrender. We, we say we want to give God control. But have you ever had that thought if I, if I truly say, God, do what you will with my life, do whatever you want, we're afraid to say that because we're afraid of how he might answer or, or, or where that might take us. I, 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 for years growing up, I had a resistance to ministry. Uh, my family was in ministry, and so people would say, are you going to be a, a pastor like your dad? Are you going to go into ministry? And I was like, no, no, I'm going to do something else. And, and part of it was just wanting to be my own man. Another part of it was fear. 
Because inside, I knew I had a gift of communication. I knew I had a love and a heart for people. I knew that I, I felt drawn towards ministry. But there was that level of fear that if I fully surrendered to God, where would that take me? Would it take me to the other side of the world? What, what platform would that put me on? What, what would that entail? And so whatever it is that, that, that you haven't surrendered control in your life, there's that level of fear because you say, if I just go all in, if I surrender all to God, where could that take me, right? We, we, we have comfort zones. We, we have areas that we operate in because it's comfortable and it's safe. But in the long run, it, it doesn't allow us to be fulfilled in what God has truly called us to do. So here's a, a word of encouragement to you. God will stretch you out of your comfort zone, but he will never take you out of your sweet spot. Okay, think about that for a minute. He, more often than not, when you say, God, I'm yours, he's going to stretch you out of your comfort zone. But I promise you, he will not take you out of your sweet spot. The, the difference is this. We have our comfort zones. We have our circle where we're comfortable. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. I'm happy doing this. I don't want to do any more because it's safe and it's comfortable. And God wants to stretch you. He wants to grow you. And you'll see once you step out of that, while it may have been dis, uh, uncomfortable for a while, it's worth it in the long run. Now, your sweet spot, that's something different. That is your gift. That is what God has created you uniquely to do. So even though at times surrendering to him may be uncomfortable, He's never going to take you out of your sweet spot. He's not going to call you to do something that you're not gifted to do. Right? And so, like, for example, I'm not called to, to be the music director. Tom Rao, our, our, our piano player, our band director, he's a genius. And, 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 and that's not my sweet spot. You don't want me doing that. Our level of music would go down. Now put me on the bass. All right, that might be a different story. But in the same way, you don't want Tom Rao up here preaching. There's no telling what he would say. And if you know Tommy, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Tom, if you're here, I'm sorry. But he's probably in the cafe drinking coffee and making jokes. So, <laughs> But here's the deal. All of us are on a quest to be fulfilled. We all have an innate desire to want to be used by God, to want to do something beyond ourselves and make a difference. And, and so tonight I think you'll be encouraged by some of the things that God wants to speak to you. You know, being in ministry, there's there's a lot of people that, that we get to talk to. Uh, on a weekly basis, I, I talk to all kinds of people at different places in their life, pray with different people, people experiencing all kinds of things. That's one of the things about ministry. When people are up, you're up with them. And when people are down, you're down with them. Ministry at times can be a job that's in the trenches. You hear what people are going through, and, it, and it's heavy. And, 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 you know, God is working in all our lives, but life is not always perfect. And, and one thing that I hear pretty often, I would say even on a weekly basis, is people who, who come up and they're struggling because they, they're, they're one of those first groups where they say, I don't know what it is I'm gifted to do. I, I feel I'm living an unfulfilled life. I feel like I'm not operating in my call. I feel like I'm at a, at a standstill or that I'm struggling to hear God and just kind of aimless. And that may be you, but I want to encourage you. As I said already, God has gifts that he's placed in you. And even though you may not have tapped into that yet or discovered that yet or are operating in that yet, I believe he wants to walk you there. I believe that the season is coming where you will be operating in the gifts that he has placed within you. If you have your Bible, go with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 4 through 8. And this is Paul talking, and he says, For as in one body we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function. Let me stop right there. Think right now. Look, look, look in here. The body of Christ. There's a lot of people here. And you don't all have the same function. Every one of us is uniquely different. Every one of us has unique functions and gifts. 
Verse 5, he says, So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Again, he, he's saying that, that we have different gifts. But he also says here that with those gifts is a grace that accompanies those gifts. So because you are grace, because you are empowered by the Spirit in that gift, he says, let us use them. Let us operate in the things that he has graced and gifted us to do. He goes on, he says, if prophecy, then in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And you may be reading that passage with me. You say, wait, I've heard this before. I, I, I know this. This is, this is talking about spiritual gifts. Paul's talking about, about spiritual gifts. I'm just wondering about my gifts in general, just what I'm doing with my life. Um, and yes, he's, he's, he's using spiritual gifts here as an example. Uh, but this list, first of all, it's important to understand it's representative, but it's not exhaustive. It, it's representative of, of spiritual gifts that are available, but it's not exhaustive, meaning that there are more spiritual gifts than just what he mentions here. And, and part of his purpose is showing that there's different gifts, but then ultimately he's showing us, or, or really the people of Corinth, but to us today, I'm sorry, the people, what, what book are we on? Romans. <laughs> the Romans. All the gifts benefit the body of Christ in some way. Different gifts, different parts, different functions, but all of them have a purpose. All of them are important. All of them serve the body of Christ in some way. And so let me encourage you to maybe rethink spiritual. What is, in fact, spiritual? You you may say, you know, I don't don't know about spiritual gifts. I'm not necessarily a, a prayer warrior I, I don't have a knack for, for healing or quite understand the prophetic. I, you know, I, I don't know that I have any spiritual gifts. But I would go so far as to say that if God's put a gift in you, whatever it is, there is a spiritual nature to that. Because the God who created you put that gift within you and his Holy Spirit has empowered you to do it. So you may be an athlete. You may be a teacher. You may be a musician. You may be in sales. You may be in insurance. You may be in whatever it is. If you're gifted to do it and God put that gift within you and his spirit has empowered you, there is a spiritual nature to that gift. And I believe the things, that the talents he's put within you serve the body of Christ in some way. It serves his people in some way. So rethink spirituality. Then secondly, I want you to rethink the term ministry. Rethink ministry. Another thing I hear when talking with people is they say, I, f- I feel like I'm supposed to be in ministry, but I'm not. And I'm, and I'm frustrated because of it. And part of that, I think, is a limited per- perspective. Because so often we've reduced ministry to just full-time vocational ministry, uh, a pastor or, or, or a missionary. But I think that ministry really is doing what God has called you to do to the glory of God. And if it impacts people around you, that, that is, in fact... Your ministry. So going back to some of those vocations I just mentioned, you could be, you could be in landscaping. You could be a, a coffee barista. If you're doing something you're gifted to do for the glory of God and impacting people around you, don't you realize that that could be your ministry platform? Amen. That each one of you have a realm of influence. You have a platform. You have, um, you, you have a circle of people that you're able to impact that, that maybe the pastors and staff here will never see or meet or be able to impact. And that is your ministry field. If, if, if only even just as for a season, 
So know that you are gifted. Know that not everything always has to be overly spiritual or full-time ministry to be considered something that is of benefit to the kingdom. So let me make two statements to you here. The first is this. You are a minister by nature of whose you are. You are a minister by nature of whose you are. You are not a minister because of what you do. You are a minister by the nature of whose you are. You are a son and a daughter of God. And when you, op- when you realize that and you operate in what it is that he's put before you, you are in ministry. Secondly, I want to say this, and don't put it up yet. A lot of people get so focused on what we do that we let that be the thing that defines us. We, we get caught up in our career and our education, the things we do, and, and we derive worth from that. We get so focused on that 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 becomes the thing that, that is the overarching thing in our mind that has, has formed our identity or defines who we are. But here's a, a, a kicker for you. Your identity is not defined by what you do. It's defined by who you are. Okay, your identity is not defined by what you do on a daily basis. Are gifts important? Absolutely. That's what I'm teaching about. Is what you do important? Yes, absolutely. But more than that, God loves you for who you are before he loves you for what you do. Okay, his love for us is not based on our performance or our title or our career or our accomplishments. His love for us is based just on the fact of who we are. God loves you right where you're at. What you do, yes, it's important. It has its place. But God loves you. God loves you. That's, that's part of the beauty of the Sabbath, a day of rest to cease activity. Guess what? God loves you on that day. That, that's a picture of that, that God loves us, not because of what we do, but because of who we are and we are his. Amen? All right, let me keep going. For those of you who have difficulty maybe discovering what your gift is or, 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 or you're, you're struggling to be fulfilled, a lot of times what happens is we get the process backwards. We don't know necessarily what we're gifted in or what our talents are, and so we just start going through like the, the natural, logical next steps. Well, I don't know what I'm passionate about, so I'm going to major in this random degree. You know, maybe there's not an artistic bone in your body, but you go and sign up for all these classes to, to, to get this degree in creative arts and then think, oh, then I'll become passionate about it. Or then the gift will follow the credentials. And a lot of times you just find yourself in debt. I'm not discouraging education, but I'm saying sometimes we think by, by going into education, then we'll discover what it is we're good at. Or you, you haven't even talked to God about your frustration or, or about your giftedness, but yet you find yourself in front of a, a guidance counselor or some person who doesn't know you from Adam and they're suddenly supposed to reveal to you what it is that God has gifted you to do. Or, or, or you're unfulfilled or bored and so you just start doing whatever you can to busy yourself. You jump from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and, and, and you're not really seeking God and you find yourself still unfulfilled. The process is backwards. And I think that we will begin to discover our gifts when we don't look to the world but when we look to the body of Christ. When we, when we look to the kingdom, there is power in doing life with, with other believers. And I believe those who love you will speak truth to you and are committed to you to help you walk out and discover what God has called you to do. That's the beauty of small groups. That's not something we do just to do it. That, that's something we have developed and, and cultivate because we want to see people thriving in relationships with other believers. Uh, that's why we have, have a, a program like Growth Track. You probably get sick of hearing Pastor Tim say, who do we want to go through Growth Track? Everybody. Because we really do. Growth Track is not just another program. It's not just another class. The goal of Growth Track ultimately is to help you discover your purpose. 
I can't tell you how many people and how many God stories we have, uh, uh, who, have uh, who have gone through growth track and came out the other end after those few classes having discovered things they didn't know were in them or discovered passions that they've been able to develop. And then not just discover that, but then we help you find places to plug in right away and start using those for a greater purpose than we could ever imagine. So if you have not been through growth track, I encourage you to jump in. And there are tests and there are things that we walk through to help discover those things. Discover your spiritual gifts. Discover your passions. And then we want to help you get plugged in using those things for the glory of God. Amen. And this is, this is not a message about growth track. But I would be foolish to talk about these things and then not tell you that, hey, we have systems in place to help you with these very things. So just take that to heart. Let's keep, let's keep going. If you've if you got your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, we're going to pick up in verse 14. This is what is known as the parable of the talents. And this is obviously Jesus who's speaking. And in verse 14, he says this, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Now talents here, this is currency. He's entrusted them with money. Verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. So they they doubled their money of what he left with them. Verse 18, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine with interest. So take that talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is a perfect illustration that we are responsible to make the most of what God has given us, what he has entrusted us to do. I ask the question, what are you doing with what you have? You see, the master left the, these talents with, with these servants, but he didn't, these, these were not, this was not their money. This, this was not their property. He entrusted these things to them. They were just to manage it in his absence. And so, in the same way that they are not owners of these talents, they were just managers. You may have heard this before. Pastor has taught us this, that God is the owner. We are just the stewards, right? Everything that we've been entrusted with, every blessing in our life, every gift, everything 
as a result of God's goodness and his grace upon our life. He, yes, he's given us those things, but really we have to look at it as on loan, as something he has entrusted us with. And so often we say, mine, 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 and we try to take control when really God wants us to steward well the things that he has put into our hand, just like this master did with his servants. And so if all of us have gifts that he's placed within of us, then none of you are empty-handed. None of you are empty-handed. The master has left you with something. And so again, I'll ask you, what are you doing with what you have? What are you doing with what you've been given? Now, when I say talent or I, or I say gift, you probably immediately think of ability, right? If I, if I said someone is talented or that someone is gifted in this area, we begin to think of that in terms of their ability, an, an, an inborn capacity beyond the ordinary, a, a prodigy or a, a genius, or, you know, you think of a, someone who's just a, an, an incredible athlete or musician. They have great talent. They are greatly gifted. And so when we think of terms in terms of talent or gift as just ability, uh, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it because what it does is it causes us to begin to compare. If everything is just about talent or ability, then, we, then, it, then it's as simple as, well, you either have it or you don't. They're, they're talented in this area, but I'm not. They're gifted in this area, but I'm not. We begin that comparison, and that further fuels that feeling of defeat or discouragement that we have in the quest to find our gifts. But here's what you've got to realize is that when we stand before the master, God is not going to compare what we did with anyone else. He's going to ask, what did you do with what I placed in your hand? What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with, with what I entrusted to you? How did you steward that? He's not going to compare you, well, this person did this and this person did that. No, he's going to look at you just as this master did. What did you do with what I placed in your hand? So rather than think of, of a talent or a gift as ability, what if we thought it as responsibility? What if we thought about it as a weight, something that God has placed in our hand and we have a responsibility. It's not based on our ability. We, we are, have a responsibility to use it for a much greater purpose. That takes the pressure off us and our, our ability, and it puts the pressure on God's ability. It's, it's, it's a responsibility. It's something we are to steward and to manage. And, and, and not only that, there's people who recognize their gifts, but they misuse their gifts. They, they misuse them for their own notoriety or their own glory. Yeah, they're operating in, in something that uh, no doubt God gave them that gift. You know, John Mayer, he may be one of the greatest worship leaders on the face of the planet. He just doesn't know it yet. He's operating in a gift that I believe is from God. He's a prodigy. But yet he's received fame and notoriety, but I don't think he's recognized who gave him that gift. There, there, there's plenty of people who have a voice. They have influence. They have a platform. And they've used that voice and leveraged it to bring attention to themselves. And, and, and I don't want to be the one who stands before the master one day and said that I took the gift that was placed in my hand and I used it to bring glory to myself. Or that I took it and I, and I use it to, to expand my influence. I want to be able to stand before him and know that I leveraged it and I multiplied it and used it to reach people and to bring glory to him. That's why every service, pastor prays, when all is said and done, Jesus, head of the church, that you would be pleased and your people would be helped. Because what he's doing up here, it's not about him. It's about what God has called him to do. He is stewarding what God has placed within his hand. And that has to be our heart. And if we make the most of what he's given us, then we see from that parable that he will entrust us with more. Verse 29, Jesus said it. He said, for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 
we have a responsibility. As I prepare to close, you know, looking at that parable, most of us, most of the time, probably most identify with that third servant. You know, I don't think his heart was to do nothing with it. That, that wasn't his goal. I think he was being comfortable. He was playing it safe. He was afraid to lose what he had been given. So if he hid it in the ground, if he put it away, then he wouldn't lose it. And referring to what I talked about at the beginning, you know, we, we, we like our comfort zones. We like to play it safe. And, 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 and if we don't step out of our comfort zone, then we can't get hurt. If we don't take any risk, then there's not much fear involved. And so a lot of times we play it like that third servant. But fear of failure really is one of the main things that causes us to play it safe. We've got to be able to, to, to take a step of faith past that and, 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 and not care so much about fear. Don't let fear be the thing that dictates what God does or doesn't do through you. Don't, don't care so much about failure. You know, there are plenty of people who have accomplished great things, and we, we recognize them for their notoriety and, their, and, and what, what they've accomplished. But a lot of times we don't know the stories behind the scenes, the times they failed before. And had they let that failure define them, they would have never gone on to accomplish what they did. Bill Gates, you know, we know him as the CEO of Microsoft, a a genius, one of the richest people on earth and a very charitable person. But a lot of people don't know prior to, to, to what he's accomplished that he was a college dropout. Granted that college was Harvard, that's more than most of us ever do, but he still, he didn't finish college. And his first business venture failed. He was a failed business owner ever before he was the, the, the king of, of Microsoft. Albert Einstein, you, his name is synonymous with genius. But he didn't even have fully developed speech until he was nine years old. His teachers thought him to be slow, didn't really give him much hope. He was expelled from school early on. But he didn't let failure define him. Walt Disney that, that's a name that's synonymous with creativity. And you look at the, the Disney empire and all that came under, un, under his name. And at the age of 22, most people don't know this, he was fired from a local newspaper because they said he wasn't creative enough. He wasn't creative enough. His first business failed as well. He had to file bankruptcy. Had he let those things be the defining moment or had he feared failure, he never would have accomplished what he did later on. Uh, I'm going to read you this quote you might have heard before. This is by the, the greatest basketball player on the face of the earth. And I'm not talking about LeBron James. <laughs> Michael Jordan says this. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. You know, we, we, we can't be afraid to fail we got to be willing to take a step. we got to be willing to take a risk. Anything worth doing, there's risk involved. Anything God has called us to do, I promise you, there is fear involved. But as Joyce Meyer says, do it afraid. Do it afraid. It's always worth it in the long run. And when we cross that line from fear to faith, there's no limit to what God can do through us. What if I told you that that parable is not so much about even our gifts as much as it is about fear? Think about it. Yes, there was gifts involved and the master had entrusted them with things. But ultimately, the the one that the example is made of is that third servant. That he did nothing with what he was entrusted, ultimately out of fear that he would lose it. I don't want that to be you or to be me. We've got to be able to move past fear. We will never be who God has called us to be. or operating in our gifts. We will never be fulfilled if we can't look fear in the face and walk right past it. 
And so right now, tonight, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, just a, a moment, kind of a ministry response for you to kind of soak in some of the things that we've just talked about. And you could be in any one of those first three groups. Maybe you know your gifts and you're operating in them. Maybe you know them, but you're not because of fear. Or maybe you're just clueless and you say, I don't know what I'm gifted in. Right now, I want you to just open yourself to God. And I want to pose a few questions for you to think about. And we're just going to sit for about 10 seconds or so with each one. And I want you to allow God to minister to you regarding this. Ask this question, how has fear been holding me back in my life? Think about your life. Think about the things that maybe you feel called to do, the areas where you've been playing it safe. And say, how has fear held me back in my life? Now, as you, as you think about that, now I want you to ask the question, what can I do to face or to overcome those fears? What can I do right now, leaving here tonight, that I can implement into my life so that I can face and overcome those fears that have held me back? Thirdly, I want you to, to answer this question. What would I do right now if, If I were to leave here and fear was not a factor, if failure was not a factor, what would I do right now if those things didn't play into this? If there were no fear, what would I do? Now I want you to do something, and I know this may be cheesy to you, but I want you to visually, in your mind, draw a line in the sand. Wednesday, April 6th, 2016 at 8.05 p.m., you drew a line where you said, God, I've been afraid. I've been operating in comfort. I've been playing it safe, but I draw this line and I commit to leave fear and leave failure and step into a realm of faith, realizing that I'm not defined by what I do, but I'm defined by who I am and, and I am yours. And because you've created me and you've put gifts in me, that God, you would help me to walk those things out full of faith and full of confidence that you're with me in that. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MBC Ocala.